The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. At that time, the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not a part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I forget how much I love that hymn. Um, and man, verse 5 sneaks up on you that even Psalm 23 is about our holy communion with the Lord. Thou spreadst the table in my sight, thine unction grace bestoweth. And oh, what transport of delight from thy pure chalice floweth. God bless the Irish and God bless Henry Baker. <clears throat> Just because I don't think we got to read it in its entirety uh, today, I want to read Psalm 23 to you, because I'll be preaching on it today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The Psalms preach Jesus Christ. It's what recently they've been calling the Christ key. Two Psalms actually they appear in Peter's first sermon on the the day of Pentecost. So he, he preaches this barnstormer that would get any pastor these days picked up by the seat of the pants and thrown out of the church, you see, but he, he quotes and interprets Psalms 98 and 110. And from these texts, along with huge blocks of the prophet Joel and like three chapters of Isaiah, Jesus of Nazareth is proclaimed as the once crucified, now risen, sovereign and savior of both Jew and Gentile alike. The Old Testament preaches Jesus Christ. And when you train your heart to see it by feeding it beautiful things, 
it's just beautiful to see happening in real time. Of course, this shouldn't be a mystery. The word of God points to the one who is the word of God, Jesus, giving this key for interpreting all scripture. On the day of our Lord's resurrection, he tells his disciples, O foolish ones, O slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter glory? And so, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures those things concerning himself. Consequently, it's not contrived or artificial to find Jesus in the Psalms and everywhere in the Old Testament. It's, it's not twisting the Bible until Jesus rings out. Far from it. When you open your Bible to the Old Testament, and in this case, the Psalms, the Bible itself presents Jesus as the subject of every Psalm. It's crazy. It's almost like a puzzle. You read a psalm and you're wondering, is this Jesus praying it himself? Or is this Jesus being prayed to? Or is this Jesus, the Messiah, being prayed about? The nature of the Bible, the psalms, the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's always Christ-centered. Our problem is we tend to think we are the central figure of the Bible. Especially in Psalm 23. I used to call it NASCAR Psalm, but I've just moved on to calling it It's Just Me and Jesus Psalm. Because uh, less and less people are watching the movie Talladega Nights. The idea that humanity somehow gets center stage in the pages of the Bible, that a shepherd would have a flock of one sheep is goofy at best. On the contrary, the Bible teaches us that we're to interpret what the Psalms say to us only after we first learn what they say about Jesus. This applies to the Psalms, the creation account, the Exodus, whatever you might be reading. Right now, my wife and I are reading together Joshua. Seeking out that link to Jesus makes the Old Testament thrilling. We read all of Scripture with this Christ key. It opens many doors. What does this say about Jesus? And whatever, and just, you know, because whatever happens to Jesus happens to me or will end up happening to me, what does it say through him? To me, to my family, to my church family, to even my enemies. So what happens when we use this Christ key and we read Psalm 23? Well, the way that Jesus teaches it, Psalm 23, the way that the New Testament teaches it in the epistles and Revelation, the way that the uh, Orthodox Christian Church has been teaching it for 2,000 years. Let's look into it. What happens? What happens when we use the Christ key and read Psalm 23? Well, what happens is we hear Christ speaking to us. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Isn't it weird 
to hear Jesus say, the Lord is my shepherd. When Jesus says, the Lord, he's talking about his father, God. It is the father's love and care which prevents him from wanting. Wanting in the way that the world might lust or covet. It's the father who makes him to lie down in green pastures where the image of grassy fields is evocative of the word of God. If the word of God is good for Jesus, it's, it's good for you and your family every day. You see, Jesus first, then us. Jesus himself would teach man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what he tells the devil when he's in the desert. It's a quote of Deuteronomy, which is a, the collected sermons of Moses. It's a great book. It's God's word, Jesus says, that feeds and sustains him. And so us. The father leads Jesus beside still waters and restores his soul. This is what's crazy, right? These are none other than the waters of baptism. We even get that in the Acts reading. We get that in the Revelation reading. In Jesus' baptism, he's anointed. And what that means is he's chosen. You anoint a priest. You anoint a king. You anoint a prince that's going to become a king. You're chosen, the chosen one. The Greeks call it a Christ. The Hebrews call it a Messiah. And he's chosen without measure by the Holy Spirit of God. That one. There in the River Jordan, where Joshua led the people into the promised land, the father declares, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. There by the still waters over which the Father is present, in which the Holy Spirit enters, and through which Christ is made manifest. Everyone knows now Jesus is the Christ. He's chosen. Jesus acts out Israel's history as well as ours, but restores it. The Messiah, Jesus, confesses, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's a sense in which the Son represents the Father. He who has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. It's one of those things that makes crowds of people want to kill him. Jesus bears the name of God. As the son of God, like how you acted when you were a kid was reflective of your your parents and how your kids act. People, uh, they they tend to talk about how, man, what kind of parenting is that? Right. And it it hurts you when you hear it in the store or whatever. I'm going to I'm going to name drop Jewel again when you're in the Jewel. (laughs) Oh, boy. Since Jesus and the Father are one, the Father, for his namesake, sets the course that Christ walks, that he must walk. It's a path which will both honor and glorify the Father. But why is the Father shepherding the Son this way? I mean, it really is weird. You'd never think about it. The Father shepherding the Son. Why is he fattening up Jesus? 
as it were, on the word of God? Why is he making them to lie down in green pastures and feed on the green grass? Why is he leading him through the Jordan and John's baptism of repentance? Why is he restoring Jesus' soul and leading him in paths of righteousness? The father shepherds the son because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the spotless Lamb being prepared for sacrifice, even death on a cross. Throughout his sinless life, Jesus was being fattened on the word of God, being that he brought the lamb, being, um, being made perfect through obedience to his shepherd, his father. And there, there was an obedience that brought this lamb of God to the horrors of Calvary Hill, Golgotha, the place of the skull in Aramaic, where he would atone or pay for the sins of the world with his blood. And during those dark hours of betrayal, scourging, beating, flogging, crucifixion, the words of Psalm 23 were prayed by Jesus. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Even the rod of God's anger burning against his own son, who is perfectly obedient, instead of burning against us. Jesus is crucified to death. The Father, he's been atoned. He now reconciles the world, he reconciles you and your family. To himself through this Christ. And now we can safely graze on his word. And it's a peaceful thing. It's a lovely thing. There's there's nothing like coming home from a hard day at work and sometime at night. I've read my chapter of Joshua for the day. And my beloved wife reads to me the devotion for the day. And then she prays for us. And then that's it. We've safely grazed on God's word like he wanted us to. And it's lovely. It only brings us closer. It prompts discussion of what happened to us that day. What hurt us. What was joyful. It's beautiful. Well, God is fully satisfied with the life of Jesus both his life and his death. He raises him from the grave on a third day. And when Jesus raises up, there's a glorious transition that takes place. All power and authority are given to him. He's the new Adam. Everything Adam did that he messed it all up and lost, Jesus takes back. He's elevated to Lord of all, or as Psalm 23 would teach us, the shepherd. But in our case, the good shepherd. And now, what was true of Christ becomes true of us in him. The Lord Jesus is our shepherd, the good shepherd, who lays down his life for his sheep. 
Christ himself is the word of God. And so in giving us the Holy Gospel, he gives us of himself to eat green grass. He leads us. He leads our children beside the still water of holy baptism in which he restores our once lost souls. He gives us with the Holy Spirit, or he gives us the Holy Spirit, that we may be led in paths of righteousness just like him. So that we don't forsake his holy name, but we give it glory. But the good shepherd has an attitude. When I chose the cover for the bulletin, I ended up um, choosing the nice Jesus defending his flock from the wolves. The one that I wanted to pick was a little goofy. It was a very muscular shepherd Jesus fighting and beating wolves. But I thought, moms don't want to watch an action movie on Mother's Day. When false messiahs, wolves, when cowardly shepherds, he calls them. It's like no one could think of a better diss. Jesus calls, calls cowardly shepherds hired hands. They're only doing it for the money. They have no skin in the game. It's devastating. <laughs> He says when they run for the woods, when the going gets tough, when the wolves attack. He says instead the good shepherd wields his rod and breaks the teeth of those who would do his sheep harm. He kills wolves with rocks on our behalf. He'd go to war for us. He's a good God. Even while we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, just as he says more than anyone, anything else in the gospel, he says... Fear not. I'll do it for you. We have nothing to fear because he's with us. He's guarding us. And through this life, we find he disciplines us, but not because he wants us to be worse. He wants us to be more like him. And he guides us both with the rod and the staff. Always out of love. But there's this table that he prepared for us that we sang about in verse 5. In the presence of our enemies, he sets this table. The table, of course, is the Holy Eucharist. Eucharist meaning thanksgiving, because we give thanksgiving to God when we take communion. Jesus prepares a feast of lamb, the lamb of God. He gives us himself, the word of God made flesh in Holy Communion. He does so right in the face of our surliest enemies. The big ones we like to talk about are sin, death, and the devil. Your sins have you thinking you're worthless. You're no good. You can't do it. You're fine being fed by Jesus once in a while. You're doing fine on your own. Death creeps up over you. And perhaps you even have, you're in its claws by the way of failing health or 
a loved one died or a friend died or you're doing lots of funerals rapidly and you're a young pastor. The devil will have you despair, sink into depression about your inability to overcome your problems with your, your, your sinfulness, your selfishness. Words spoken to loved ones in fleeting anger and you th- say things you didn't mean and you regret it. And you say to yourself, there's nothing I can do or say to make it right. Just then, the good shepherd says, take, eat, take, drink. This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then depart in peace. I am with you. And now I'm in you. I'm part of you both shepherd and sheep. You have the good shepherd in you to be a spiritual leader of your children, of your spouse, at your workplace, in your community. But you also have the lamb in you to live self-sacrificially and to feed others with God's word, giving yourself. You are forgiven. You are mine, Jesus says. Expect good from me. I am the good shepherd, he says. My cup, the chalice of my blood, overflows with divine grace and mercy. And how does it end? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because he's the lamb. You're assured of dwelling in the house. Of dwelling in his flock. Of the good shepherd. Amen.